The following podcast contains scenes of a sexual nature that I've made up. Episode 3. Two's crime penny, three's a crime. Alf and Norma Robisnan were a perfectly ordinary couple. You wouldn't look at them twice unless you were forced to. Alf was often described as warty because he was covered in warts, whereas Norma was sometimes described as dumpy because she was covered in shit. They had become childhood sweethearts when they first met at St Suggs's Primary School, Brisbane, in the early 1960s, and had been together ever since, which everyone who knew them agreed was disgusting. They married in 1980 and moved to a big house in Toowoomba the following year, where they had two children, Billy and Yggdrasil, and several beloved pet hates. Alf was a civil engineer, Norma was a rude pharmacist, and together they made a fairly decent living, thank you very much for asking, nice of you to take an interest. To sum up, they had a pretty good life and they were happy enough. But it wasn't enough. Alf Robison was popular, gregarious, and always the life and soul of any party, if parties can be said to be alive, and if you believe in the existence of the soul, and that parties have them, and if you do, then where do those souls go when the party's over? Party heaven? Something to think about. Anyway, Alf was quite a character. He had a big, booming handshake and a distinctive, slightly racist laugh, as well as a predilection for loud shirts and silent trousers. Everyone liked Alf, except Michael Palin, but Norma Robison was less popular. If people saw her coming towards them, they would cross their eyes just to avoid her. She was almost as distinctive looking as her husband was. You really couldn't miss her, even when she went away for the weekend. She favoured designer clothes, although she never wore any, opting instead for what looked like brown dungarees, although this might have just been her being covered in shit. No one really enjoyed spending much time with Norma, although this might also have been due to her being covered in shit, and even her closest friends fucking hated her. But Alf loved her, and that was all that mattered to her. That and Dallas. If Alf had a vice, he probably kept it in his toolbox, but it's no exaggeration to say that he liked to drink. He liked to drink. He liked three drink. He liked four drink. In short, he would often drink to excess, although to be fair he would often drink to absent friends as well. He liked five drink. There was one particular pub he liked to drink in, and that was the local pub, which was the name of the local pub. The local pub was a bit of a man's pub, to tell the truth, although the landlord made sure there was always a ladies' night, regular as clockwork, every other decade, unless the weather was cloudy. For all the time Alf had been with Norma, he had never so much as looked at another woman, except once when he saw a traffic warden being attacked by an eel, and you wouldn't exactly call Alfa Romeo, although he had one, an Alfa Romeo, that is, a rather flashy Type 164 with a personalised number plate. I'm not going to tell you what it was, because it's personalised. Anyway, the point was he was quite naive when it came to the opposite sex, so when Jolene Carrera walked into the local pub one evening in 1988, he didn't stand an earthly ghost of a cat called Snowball's chance in hell. 
Jolene was a 23-year-old trainee lawyer and blacksmith who was living in Felton at the time, although she hadn't always been 23. To say she was attractive would be an understatement, so I'm not going to say it, it would be a waste of time. She wasn't just drop-dead gorgeous, she was the corpse was in such an advanced stage of decay it could only be identified by dental records gorgeous. Women wanted to be her, men wanted to F her. In a word, she was beautiful, and she knew it because she had a certificate. She was so photogenic some people think she may have been a photo genius. If you do a Google image search you'll see what I mean. There's one of her wearing quite a revealing swimsuit and swim tie. There's that famous paparazzi shot of her in a short dress trying to get out of a phone contract. There's a couple of her in cocktail knickers. There's one where she's wearing a figure-hugging watch and not much else. There's one... Bloody hell, I haven't seen that one before. Is, is that her? Oh. Flaming Nora. Oh. Oh, my... Uh... Um... Look, I... I, I just need... Um... Sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll just... Um... Yeah, well, I reckon she had thick ankles. Don't know why everyone keeps going on about her. Anyway. The point was that as soon as she entered the local pub, she immediately became the centre of attention. All the men in the pub clustered round her, offering to buy her a drink. But she ignored them all because she wasn't thirsty. She was hungry. Hungry for one thing. A drink. A drink bought for her by one man and one man only. Alf Robison. But why Alf? He wasn't much to look at, except for all his warts, and it can't have been them, although admittedly a couple of them were lovely. Well, actually it was no accident Jolene had walked into the local pub that night. You see, Alf Robison was known to be generous to a fault, and the fault was he was stupid. As his friends always said, Alf would give you the shirt off his back, but the trouble was his back stank, and so did his shirt. It stank of his back. And no one likes the smell of a back, even a skank, or a skink, or a skunk. And skunks stink, and skinks stank, and skanks stunk. Cause skinks are fish, and skanks are fash, and skunks are fush, and skinky finky winky skinky winky winky. What? Anyway, shush. It wasn't the shirt off Alf's back that Jolene wanted, it was the money off his back. And she knew how to get it, which was by getting him to give it to her. She had a plan that she had dreamt up with her boyfriend, a petrol pump attendant by the name of Clive Toadkemp. Clive had met Alf a couple of weeks earlier when he had stopped to fill up his Alfa Romeo 164. When Alf had opened his wallet to pay, Clive saw that it was full of banknotes and quickly memorised that fact. Clive had a photographic memory, and when he later got this memory back from the chemist, he showed it to Jolene and this gave her an idea that having loads of money would be great. Unfortunately, they didn't have loads of money, and that was very nearly the end of the matter. But Jolene wouldn't let it go. She made up her mind that she wanted Alf's money, and told Clive that if they could find an easy way to get hold of it, then it should be easy to get hold of. At first Clive was unconvinced, but Jolene had him twisted around her little finger, which really hurt, so in the end he agreed to help her come up with a plan. Jolene may have been beautiful, 
but only on the outside, because she had really ugly intestines. Clive's first suggestion was that he hit Alf with a big stick and nick his wallet, but Jolene soon realised that if they were a bit more subtle about it, they could get a lot more money and it would make a better podcast. Over the next few days, she did a bit of digging around and discovered an old comb she thought she'd lost, as well as the fact that Alf was known to be generous, warty and stupid. Bingo. And he had a big house. House. With all this in mind, Jolene and Clive came up with their plan. Jolene believed that if she could get Alf to fall for her, she could persuade him to transfer all his money over to her. Then Clive could hit Alf with a big stick. That way they'd get his wallet as well, because it was a nice wallet. With all the details settled, Jolene decided that they should put the plan into operation that very evening, because she was bored. As it was Saturday, Jolene knew that Alf would be found in the local pub until closing time, because he was in there every day until closing time. Clive and Jolene had ascertained that Alf's wife Norma wasn't around that weekend, She had taken the Alfa Romeo and gone to join her parents in a trip to Ayers Rock, as it was known then, or, as we now have to call it, Uhura, and the Robisnan's children, Billy and Yggdrasil, were spending the weekend in a friend's paddling pool. Jolene wouldn't get a better chance for a couple of days. It was now or later. Alf was sitting at his usual spot within spitting distance of the gents, in case he had to spit at the gents. Jolene went straight up to his table and sat down next to him without any ceremony whatsoever, except for a brief ribbon cutting. They got talking and Alf agreed to buy Jolene a drink, and she agreed to drink it. He agreed to buy her three more drinks and she agreed to drink all three. Then when last orders came, she agreed to go back to his place to continue drinking. She agreed to put her arm through his on the way home and he agreed to get a slight erection. Once inside the house, she agreed to ask him to put some music on, and he agreed, also agreeing to ask her what music she'd like to hear. She agreed to ask for the three degrees, and he agreed. He agreed to ask if he could kiss her, but she didn't agree to agree. However, she did agree to perform a dance for him. After a couple of minutes, he agreed to grab her ass. she then agreed to punch him in the face, and he agreed that his nose should start bleeding. Alf apologised and bled profusely, saying he'd make it up to her by cracking open another bottle of Harvey's Bristol Wallbanger. At this point, Jolene erred on the side of caution and stopped drinking. Alf, however, did not, and twenty minutes later he erred on the side of the sofa and all over his shoes. He liked six drink. But before he passed out, he agreed to see Jolene again, and, true to his word, he did see her again, when he regained consciousness five minutes later. This was when Jolene's plan came to a crosshead. Jolene told Alf, who was still a bit drunk and still very warty, that she would agree to run away with him, but only if he signed all his money over to her before leaving his wife, so she couldn't get her hands on it when they divorced. Alf only took a couple of minutes to agree to think about it. It was a difficult decision. Could he leave Norma, the one true love of his life, for someone he barely knew, who seemed to be only interested in money and wouldn't even kiss him? It felt a bit impulsive, but then again Norma was always covered in shit, so actually in some ways it felt like a splendid idea. The trouble was that Alf still loved Norma much too much to ever want to upset her, 
so he decided the kindest thing to do was to kill her instead. He asked Jolene if she would help him with this, and she said she'd think about it after she'd run off with his money. At this point, Alf went to the toilet to err all over the bowl. So while he was gone, Jolene used his phone to ring Clive and tell him that the plan was working and that he should make his way over to the Robisonen's residence with a big stick. Suddenly, she heard the crunch of tyres on the gravel outside, and looking out the window, she saw Norma pulling up in the Alfa Romeo 164. Norma had come back early from Uhura, following an argument with her parents about the fact she was always covered in shit. Thinking on her feet, Jolene sat down. Thinking on her bum, she realised she needed Alf to sign all his money over to her as soon as possible, and she needed him to do it as soon as possible now. That dramatic musical sting cost her valuable seconds, so she rushed into the toilet, grabbed the only paper that was to hand, and quickly drafted a comprehensive monetary deed of gift, obliging Alf Robinson to transfer all his savings to her bank account within three working days, and quickly got the woozy Alf to quickly sign it, which he did, woozily but quickly. It wasn't ideal paper for a document, but at least it was three-ply, so she had it in triplicate. And just in case it wasn't legally binding, she put it into a legal binder and returned to the sitting room to await Norma. When Norma walked through the front door, she was in a foul mood and a foul coat. On seeing a strange woman in her house, you might have expected her to immediately fly into a tantrum, but she didn't. She took her coat off and then flew into a tantrum. At this point, Alf staggered back into the living room and said it wasn't what it looked like, although he admitted it was something that looked very similar. Norma wouldn't listen to reason or the three degrees, so she pulled out a piece of Uhura she'd brought back with her as a souvenir, smashed the record player with it, and turned to face Jolene, intending to bludgeon her. All Jolene had to defend herself was the pair of scissors that she'd used to cut the ribbon in the local pub, but the lump of Uhura blunted the scissors, and she dropped them as Norma bore down on her. Thinking quickly, Alf snatched up the toilet paper with the contract written on it and wrapped it around the lump of Uhura, hindering Norma's attack on Jolene. But Norma picked up Jolene's scissors and cut the contract in two, causing the piece of Uhura to fall to the ground. Alf immediately snatched it up and launched himself at his wife in fury, but tripped over Jolene who was trying to get at the contract to see if it was still legible, and he dropped the lump of Uhura on Jolene's head. This made Norma laugh. So much so, in fact, that she let go of the scissors which fell and impaled Alf's hand. He cried out in pain and a stupid voice. Immediately, Norma's pharmaceutical instincts kicked in and, while still laughing, she ripped off a piece of the contract with which to staunch her husband's bleeding hand. Meanwhile, Jolene, a little dazed, reached for the piece of Uhura, intending to hit Alf on the back of the head with it. But, writhing in pain, he accidentally kicked it out of the way and Jolene ended up clutching another piece of the contract. After that, all three of them just kept on trying to attack each other with bits of paper, but obviously no one could get the advantage over anyone else and it quickly became boring. This went on for 25 minutes and would potentially have gone on even longer if Clive hadn't arrived on the scene with his big stick. Norma had left the front door open, so Clive was able just to walk straight in once he'd wiped his feet. He took one look at the situation and immediately realised he had no idea what was going on, so he had another look at it. Before he could work it out, 
Jolene had snatched up all the pieces of contract she could find and shouted at him to keep the Robinsons at bay with the big stick while she grabbed the keys to the Alfa Romeo 164. Then she and Clive ran out of the house, warning the Robinsons not to follow them unless they wanted to try and catch them. Norma did want to try and catch them, very much, so she raced after them, but by the time she reached the car, the fugitives were already locked inside, and Jolene was already retuning the radio to Triple JFM, while Clive was already rummaging through the glove compartment looking for sweets. When Norma realised they weren't going to let her in, even when she offered to show them how to turn on the air conditioning, she climbed on top of the car and began to pry open the sunroof. She'd managed to force it open by a couple of inches before she remembered the car didn't have a sunroof. But by this point, Jolene had started the car and was accelerating away. Norma clung on for all she was worth, which was about $450,000 according to the contract. Meanwhile, Alf, still a little dopey and still very warty, had observed all this through the front window of their house and, pausing only to unload the dishwasher, he dashed to the phone and called the police saying that they needed to apprehend a silver Alfa Romeo 164 that had a woman on the roof who was covered in shit. Unfortunately, the operator thought that Alfa Romeo 164 was Alf using the police phonetic alphabet to say that the car's number plate was AR-164 and ended the call before realising his error. But luckily that happened to be the actual number plate anyway, so no harm was done. Except for the fact that I've just told you what it was, even though it was personalised. Bollocks, sorry. But the police didn't have a chance to locate the stolen vehicle before things had come to a violent conclusion. What happened was that Jolene, in an effort to dislodge Norma from the roof, had started swerving all over the road and ended up losing control of the car just as they were passing the paddling pool where Billy and Yggdrasil were spending the weekend. To Norma's horror, the car ploughed straight into Yggdrasil. But luckily she was a tree and only suffered minor damage, whereas Jolene and Clive both got whiplash from a nearby whip. Norma was thrown clear and landed in the paddling pool, which incidentally washed all the shit from her body for the first time in years. She didn't have a towel to dry herself, but Billy found what looked like a load of toilet paper in the crashed car and she wiped herself down with that, thereby effacing Jolene's contract for good. Norma hugged her children to her, and for once, they let her, because she wasn't covered in shit. Well, there's not much more to tell. The police were on the scene within a fortnight, and everyone involved was given a stern talking to. In the subsequent trial, Clive Toadkamp filed for moral bankruptcy and was given three consecutive fines. Jolene was found to be a guilty pleasure and let off with a warning shot. Uhura was charged with being an offensive weapon and sentenced to six weeks community chest. As for Alf Robison, he definitely learnt his lesson. He cut down on his drinking and never again looked at another woman, except once when he saw a lollipop lady playing a sousaphone and then had an affair with over ten years. And Norma Robison? Well, she lived the rest of her life not covered in shit and as a result became much more popular. In 2017, she died peacefully in a siege, and the pathologist who performed the autopsy said that she had the most beautiful intestines he'd ever seen. And if you do a Google image search, you'll see what he meant. There's that famous one of her colon cheekily dangling over the edge of the 
pathologist scales. There's a beautiful one of them laid out in their entirety. Absolutely lovely. There's another one of them draped seductively over his gloves. Honestly, they're the most stunning shade of pink. Bloody hell, I haven't seen that one before. Is, is, that, a, is that a duodenum? Oh, flaming Nora, you can, you can see her. Oh. Uh, look, I, I just need to... I, I'm, I'm just going to... I'll just... I don't know why everyone keeps going on about her intestines. I reckon she had short bowel syndrome. Anyway, that was the story of Alpha Norma Robinson. Sorry, Robinson, read it wrong. And I guess the moral of the story is, don't go around covered in shit, unless it's funny or you want to or something. And uh, that is the end of uh, this uh, episode. Uh, if you've enjoyed it, uh, please tell your friends. Uh, but not about the personalised number plate. I can't believe I told you that. Fuck me. Good night, uh, and remember... If you can't face the time, don't face the crime. 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 Face the crime.